0: My name's Jeff Garmeyer, and I grew up in Vancouver, Washington, and now I live in Bozeman, Montana. And I am just over the moon, ready to do a stage race.
1: Yeah, you've done basically every type of race on the planet. You've done 200s, 100s, through hiking short ultras, and now you're going to do a stage race.
0: Yeah, yeah, even last person standing, fixed time stuff, yeah. No, it's kind of cool because it's so different than other races but it's so similar to like fkts and through hiking just so hopefully it's like a combo of all the things i'm good at but i guess that's why you do things figure it out
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess uh for people that don't know your background is in through hiking right like you've done a lot of fkts and really long trail stuff
0: yeah i did a through hike 13 years ago 20 years old Found I liked it. And then I learned about longer through hikes on that one. So I did an eight thousand mile through hike and then a seven thousand mile one. And then on that I learned about FKTs. So I did like twenty FKTs on all the major trails or most of them. And then from there I learned about trail running. So I jumped in the Barkley Marathons was my second ever trail race. And then I jumped in Cocodona 250, and then I learned there were shorter trail races, so I really worked my way down to the 100-mile distance. and Now I'm going to jump back up into stage racing distances.
1: You kind of went about it the opposite way of most people. Most people start like, hey, I'm going to do like a 10K, or maybe a 5K, a 10K, a marathon 50K, then 100, and you're just like, nah, I'm going to reverse that one.
0: Yeah, I like the couch to Barkley training plan.
1: <laughs> yeah, are you, uh, are you coaching that one? Like, what's the cost for that?
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty expensive. You have to have a nice couch. So like um
1: those thru hikes you did, like we all pretty gnarly though. Like what's the the 7,000 mile one that you did?
0: Yeah, that was my third one and it was the Great Western Loop and it was like 60 6,000 miles of thru hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail. Turn right on the Pacific Northwest Trail, turn another right on the Continental Divide Trail, take that. Almost to the border, turn right onto the Grand Enchantment Trail, then turn right onto the Arizona Trail. And then the interesting part starts from the Grand Canyon. You have to drop your own route to cross the Sonoran Desert. And so I had a 70 mile water carry through there and drew up this route that kind of used cow ponds and things like that for water sources along the way. And that was kind of the pinnacle of through hiking. So I figured I couldn't do any harder through hikes. So I decided to start trying to do them faster. And then that led to FKTs. Actually, in the middle of that, I kind of thought about Nolan's 14, which is fourteen fourteen thousand 14,000 foot peaks in under 60 hours. It's like an ultra running challenge. And the Continental Divide Trail goes right by the start of that. So I just decided in the middle of the Great Western Loop to try to do Nolan's 14 in under 60 hours. And I was able to do it in 59 and a half hours. And kept on my through hike but that was my intro to FKTs, just in the middle of a through hike
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of trial by file there man the trial trial by fire i should say
0: yeah i mean i didn't wasn't going for the fkt but i thought if i can get under this ultra running challenge then i probably am fast enough to go after FKTs. so it was like that little confidence boost and six months after that i was going after the arizona trail record and got the overall time. So it's been a really weird journey of jumping around and just learning about something, getting super obsessed doing it and then forgetting about it. <laughs> Put it in the rear view. Yeah, it's you.
1: definitely a lot of time. It's a lot of time on your feet and a lot of stuff to forget.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's just, you jump into the next thing. Like even this year, r- Raced like over a thousand miles worth of races. And then just trying to look forward and figure out what next year is, because all those are done. Don't matter anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. And I guess like the people that don't know that are listening, like the Arizona Trail, it doesn't necessarily cross any part of the Grand to Grand course, but they're kind of in similar areas. At least parts that are like on the way out to the start, you drive by um, one of the trailheads. It's on the Arizona Trail, and then part of the Grand to Grand course intersects a little bit with the AZT. At least in the general area, I should say. So that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. It probably like right down by Kanab or something. I guess it would be. Yeah, it yeah, might I cross by it. Jacob
1: Lake in the Orderville Trailhead.
0: Yeah, it probably yeah, is really close. Yeah. Yeah, the Kanab yeah, National. One of the camps is actually... I think it does. I think it does cross it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're kind of familiar with that area. I guess you'll see it again next year.
0: Yeah, I love that area, like Pariah Canyon and stuff like that. And I actually went to Cor- uh driving down to run Mogian Monster in September, uh, have driven by that Coral Stand State Park a bunch of times. And then this time was finally like, all right, we're stopping. So pulled off and spent half the day running on the sand dunes because it was like, I've driven by so many things in that area, but never pulled over because usually on the way to something. So a lot to see in that. No not many people, but lots of natural features out there.
1: <laughs> That's the best part about it, man. Like I'm actually I'm packing up tonight to go out there with a friend tomorrow. We're gonna spend a few days around Kanab. And it's just such a beautiful area. Like the sand dunes at Coral Pink are incredibly beautiful. At night it's awesome. And one of the Grand de Grand camps, it's after the long stage where you go through the dunes. You camp okay. at a spot where you're just like super remote. There's no cell service. And you're looking into the back of Zion National Park and it's just like it's just mind blowing to see that view. It's super cool.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean the night skies down there alone are pretty pretty unlike anything you get near a city. So it's a pretty sweet area.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. Like it's just it's freaking beautiful and like this is really good trails and good people and it's a cool place to be, but um maybe I should just stop like reminiscing on one of my most favorite places on the planet and talk about grand to grand a little bit more than <laughs> you're through hiking and stuff like it's interesting I think how like how recently I've noticed this a lot especially with these longer races like stage racing and with 200s and stuff like there's been a big crossover of people that go from through hiking and they get into running because it's not like you're running a marathon and you just have to run like 5 30 pace the entire time like like trail running and ultra running stage racing are like so much more different because there's so much, there's a different type of strategy that goes into it. And I think there's a lot of similarities between through hiking and stage racing.
0: Yeah. I think that, well, even just that day after day type thing, rather than a true marathon or something, where it's just a couple hours and you're done the having to get up and do the same thing the next day is a lot more similar to, well, trail running in general is a lot more similar to through hiking than, I guess, more traditional running where a lot of it is hiking anyways. Even the winners of like Hard Rock are hiking a lot of it. So, yeah, there's a lot more crossover between, well, FKTs even too and through hiking and trail running. And I think, yeah, stage race is kind of that middle ground that nothing else is in where, it's a little bit of support, but mostly you're just on a multi-day adventure.
1: Yes. Like what's so interesting
0: to you about that? Because
1: obviously you've done, like you just said, you've done all these really long hikes and you've done Cocodona 250 and, and other races as well. So like what's intriguing to you about a stage race or even just doing these really hard, difficult things day in and day out? Because I think most people would see them like, why would you want to go out and suffer so much? And here you are doing it like on repeat essentially.
0: Well, I like doing all the different things and I feel like I've every time I find a new type of thing in that foot travel space, I do it or try to go after it. And I've never done a stage race and everyone there's a few of them around the country or the world that people always talk about and I don't know, it seems appealing and I don't know, this one seems it's close by in a really cool area and fairly attainable, so I think the mystery is more the intrigue. I've never done a stage race, so I don't know all the aspects or why I'd be good, but I think the fact that it's something different is kind of cool. Like Even jumping in fixed time stuff, like three or four years ago, I would have thought that was so monotonous or stupid or something, but I actually really enjoyed that. And now that I've done some, it's like, all right, well, what's the next new thing that I've never tried that I want to check out and it looks like it kind of marries that fkt and racing vibe and that's seems like it might be a sweet spot so we'll see who knows it could be your thing now your new thing (laughs) yeah i mean it is a really cool way to just know exactly what you're doing each day because there's so much unknown in a through hike or an fkt it's already slotted out what you're doing each day in a stage race, but in the middle of that day, what how you cover those miles is up to you. So it's kind of both parts of of both things rather than a through hike is like start now and end in twenty six hundred miles. It's <laughs> a, a little a little unstructured.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess with a through hike, you could be doing say sixty miles a day or thirty miles a day. Like, it's not like, you're like doing 10. a marathon and then a fifty k. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely depends, right?
0: Yeah. I think the something that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the aspect that I'm think I'm good at too is the multi day stuff. And it's pretty hard to get that in two hundreds you get like three days maybe, but once you stack more days on that, I think I'm even better. So that's kind of cool about a stage race too, is you can't really get there through these races that are just a certain distance rather than a number of days, so it's it's almost that fixed time feel where everyone's going to do all these days, but within those days, you can do them a little faster or slower, whatever.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I never really thought about it that way. And then I guess also too, like like we were talking about, it's not just running. Like there's so much strategy involved as far as like your pacing and your pack, like because building out your pack. I wasn't say pack packing, but <laughs> putting your pack together. <laughs> because like that's a huge aspect of it as well it's like it's not just going out there and running like a 330 50k which is is fast it's like you have to figure out okay i gotta run this fast this day have this many calories and these calories for the week and i have this pack on my back with all my stuff for the week it's like there's a lot of variables that come into play more so than a marathon or even like a 200 where you're not carrying anything besides like the required gear
0: yeah it's almost like thinking of it as an FKT where you don't go out on day one and do the most miles that you can do because you won't be able to move on day two. So it's like not burning it out on day one and not being able to move the second day. So there's probably a ton of strategy I need to pour over. I got to watch the tape from last year and see, see how people structure these things.
1: (laughs) No, but really though, like it's interesting to see that happen because like I think a lot of people just want to go out and hammer because I think the first day is relatively flat. It's like it's super beautiful, but you're on it's like a lot of flat running through the desert. But it's also challenging because it's like you could go run a really fast fifty k that day, and then the next day you got to do that again, and you got to climb up more. And then you're maybe you're tired or whatever, you didn't recover properly because you don't have your massage gun, you don't have all these like <laughs> things you have at home. You don't have your coffee machine. It's like at that point it becomes more real because you're actually living in the moment. And you don't have all these like luxury things that we have in life.
0: Yeah. And it's a little crazy because say like at the start of a 200, you watch 70 people just running eight minute miles right from the start. And you know that you're going to catch up to them, but it's also scary to watch that many people run ahead of you. So it's it's just an interesting dynamic. That start line energy is, is so interesting. And I imagine that takes place on all of day one and you still have many more miles and especially if it starts gradual that's when i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes but it's interesting that it's cumulative too so one day doesn't carry as much weight as as the overall yeah it's really interesting and i
1: think that they're breaking i think i don't know i'm just thinking about like 275k or 171 miles is like that's, that's really far. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that number, it's just like, that's unattainable for me. Like, there's no way I could do a 100 mile, or much less 171 miles through the desert, self-supported. But I think breaking it up makes it more of an attainable goal because it's like like these bite-sized chunks versus doing it all at one time. And so, like, instead of mm-hmm. just, like, I'm going to go out and suffer nonstop, it's like you can go run then you can hang out. You can run and hang out. So, it's like, it's more of an attainable goal, I think, at least in my brain.
0: Yeah, it's structured in a way that makes it nicer to get to the end rather than just that continuous push. And then at one point, you can't go any further. So yeah, I think it is set up in those manageable chunks, just like kind of how if you run 80 miles in a week, maybe you couldn't run 80 miles straight. But over the course of that week, all those runs add up. So it is broken down and feels a lot. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like Signing up for a hundred and seventy-one mile race, it more like feels just doing day after day, I guess. So yeah, it is a different mindset than like a two hundred or something.
1: Yeah, you're thinking about it like that too. Like you are saying like mileage-wise per week. Like I think a lot of people would think like running a fifty miler is just out of the question. Like two marathons essentially back to back is just that's just a lot of running. But when you break up break it up over the course of a week, fifty miles in seven days. That's like, what, seven miles a day? Like, that's attainable for a lot of people, especially if you're just in a normal training block. So, like, it's not like something where you have to, like, kind of psych yourself out. Or even, like, you're thinking about your your long through hikes. Like, the Arizona Trail, it's 800 miles. Like, you didn't go out and think, like, I'm going to go do 800 miles today, did you?
0: No, I on everything, even if it's, like, an 8,000-mile thing, it's never about doing 8,000 miles because that's too much for your brain to even think about even a hundred miler is you even just doing Javelina last month, you think about it like the first loop then the second loop and the third loop and the fourth loop before you know it, you've gone 80 miles and you're rounding for that hundred mile mark. It's impossible to think of probably anything further than maybe a marathon or a 50 K. So just breaking it up naturally is a lot easier. I mean, you, on a through hike, the mindset is you just wake up and you're doing that day and you go to bed and you wake up and you do the next day and that's how it goes. And before you know, it's added up to this amount of miles that's hard to believe your body can even do. So I guess that whole kind of mindset. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, say
1: when you run a shorter race and shorter is relative here, but like, say like, like a hundred miler or even like Havelina where it's like five twenty mile loops, essentially. Did you break it up by like aid station to aid station? Like, okay, loop one, I'm going to run these six miles and then seven miles. Is that how you thought about it? Or was it all just like a 20 mile segment in your head?
0: Yeah, every aid station, especially on that one, it's just like an hour. And then I'm at the next one, another hour. So it just naturally breaks itself up. So yeah, I think that's the key in any long day, even just like a training run or climbing a mountain out here. It's like, I'll just run up to the summit, take a couple photos. And that's step one. Step two, turn around and run back because that's running. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think everything has to be broken up. It's too hard to think I'm going to go out for an entire day of running.
1: (laughs) No, I totally agree with that. Like, I don't know, like, I don't think people can even be in race mode the entire time for like, say a hundred mile or something. Like you have to kind of let your brain relax. Otherwise you're just burning all this mental energy. So probably even more so in like in a stage race where you can break it up day by day and then break up every day by segments, like a checkpoint to checkpoint. And and even like once you finish the day, it's like, well, you now, have, now you have this downtime, but like, okay, how am I going to break up the rest of the afternoon? Like what am I going to do for recovery? It's like these like little things you can look forward to. It's like, Oh, now I'm going to have a, a snack here. I'm going to eat. Here. Yeah. I'm going to do this here. Just like make it a little easier to, to
0: comprehend. Yeah. And I like to break things up in hours too. So it's like two or three hours and then do whatever, eat something or take a little break or whatever it may be. But that, yeah, I think just making it manageable chunks in through hiking, I always did three hour blocks and I'd get between 10 and 12 miles in those three hour blocks. And then maybe it ends at a water source and just like jump in real quick or fill up some water, make a snack or whatever it may be. But it's like the, to me, feels like the most manageable way to break. The longer things up is three hour chunks or in races, the aid stations are kind of set in stone for you too but yeah it's just too hard to think about things in in the longer form which is so weird because that's what I thrive in is the really long stuff
1: yeah I guess you're good at just like breaking things down into chunks and looking at the bigger picture that's what it sounds like anyways from from my like, uneducated perspective
0: <laughs> yeah I think you just take the bigger picture and that's the end goal but it's got to be made up of a bunch of smaller plans and then eventually you get there
1: yeah. Let's talk about like efficiency within like packing and like obviously more so with, with through hiking, but then also very much so in grand to grand where like you are on a structured schedule every day. And I remember hearing you talk one time about how like when you're out doing these long through hike FKTs that like you're, you're, you wake up and you're packed and moving and you're doing things as you're moving. So like, do you think a lot of those principles that you have learned about just being efficient and smart with your, your time, like are going to apply to grand to grand?
0: Yeah, and they've applied a lot to ultra running too. It's everything from knowing which pocket everything's in in your pack, never having to take your pack off to get something out of the bag. All those little things, for one, they break up like your flow or your rhythm, and then they also just make it a little bit of a headache, and it's a lot easier to just kind of be moving forward, grabbing what you're eating while you're moving. And if you ever need to take a break or reset, then you can actually have a full rest rather than messing with things in your pack or things like that and so like through hiking or especially fkts i'll be packed up and like i think it's like five or six minutes is what i'll usually aim for and i'll be eating breakfast and then brushing my teeth while i'm moving so the pack up portion is just getting everything in my pack my food's already out and reachable and i'm moving before i've done any of the normal morning things like eat or brush your teeth so yeah it's it's all just microseconds that add up into bigger things and if you save ten minutes packing up, that's like a whole mile that you've made up on someone else
1: no that's a that's a super good point like ten minutes is is ten minutes and like that, that adds up especially over like the course of a week or
0: multiple months like you've been doing out on these long trails <laughs> yeah I mean just say like the long trail or something, if it's five or six days and 10 minutes morning and night, that's, that's like, I don't know, two miles a day. So you've made 12 miles up on someone who's 10 minutes slower doing that. And that's a lot of time in those FKTs and that kind of thing. So I also think it just gives a little bit of a better feeling too, when you feel like you're organized and everything's where it should be. And you just have it all figured out, uh, Just a lot of ultra runners that have gone over to the FKT or multi-day space, you hear stories about how inefficient they are, even with the support crew that it's just taking them hours to get ready in the morning or hours to go to bed at night. And even if you're done with the miles that you're doing, you want to be able to go right to sleep or be laying down recovering. You don't want to be messing around for an hour and a half. Like that's still work and exertion and stuff that you're doing. You want to be able to just eat and be done for the day as opposed to just wondering where you packed everything just being a mess that kind of thing
1: yeah and i imagine too like let's let's take something simple like like chapstick for example like when you're in the high desert it's dry and like whatever but like if you pack a chapstick somewhere like say it's in the bottom of your pack for example and you can't find it you just totally space (laughs) where it is because you're tired and exhausted like that's frustrating so that's like it's something for you that you're thinking about wasting mental energy. Then you're just frustrated the entire day. Can you finally find your chapstick and you're like, Oh, like I, I packed this poorly. And it's like something that, I don't know, I just, I just imagine it being like a, a calorie burn essentially. And like a, I don't know, just almost like a time suck in the end.
0: Yeah. And a mental spiral too. Cause you go from like, Oh, where is this? You're anxious looking for it. And then when you find it, you're like, well, I'm such an idiot. So then you're down on yourself on that end too. So yeah, all those little ways to, cause it, after, I don't know, maybe a hundred miles or whatever, it becomes way more mental. And so if you're in a better mood, your body's going to be better. You're going to be less tired. So there's so many little things you can control that contribute to that because it's already going to be hard and your feet will hurt. And then you add all that on top of it. And I think that's why a lot of people quit ultras. It's not because they're not fast enough. It's because they wasted too much time or mental energy doing things that took away from actually doing what they're trying to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And even like little things, it's like, okay, well, maybe like, I don't know, something random hurts. It's like, well, that's probably going to go away. Like, it's probably not a serious injury. So if you spend all day thinking about that, like six, seven hours, then you go to bed thinking about it and you wake up thinking about it. It's almost like you're like going to make that thing materialize into yeah. something extreme when it's not.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it in the morning and then it comes back after like mile two, then you're just going to be like, yep, I knew it was going to be bad instead of just letting it be how it's going to be. And then it becomes an excuse or a reason to do worse. And yeah, all those little things just play so much into stuff. As soon as something I feel something hurting, I completely try to ignore it or tell myself that, <laughs> oh, it's fine, or I'm going to wake up in the morning and my knee won't hurt so bad or something like that. It's just a mindset of, I don't know, if it's injured and bad enough, you'll definitely know it. You don't have to convince yourself if something's injured. That's kind of my philosophy. You'll know if you're hurt.
1: I think it's a very good good takeaway from this show. If that's the only takeaway you have, it's like, <laughs> it's that. And like, honestly, think about it, this year, um, this this girl, Melanie, um, she lives in Kanab. She's a guide and she's, she's super strong and tough. And she started the race out and I don't remember exactly what happened, but like something with her shoes and some crazy blister issues. And so day two, like instead of just quitting, what she did is she's like, well, I'm just going to wear my sandals. And she had a pair <laughs> of Luna sandals that she brought to wear around camp at night. And then she ran the rest of the race in her sandals. So instead of just complaining and quitting because all my, my feet hurt because of my shoe choice. She's like, well, this is what it is, and I'm going to finish. And so then that was it. Like, she wore sandals for the rest of the race. She ran the entire race essentially in her Luna sandals. And I think most people would look at that and be like, well, that's like, I would have just dropped and quit because my feet hurt from my shoes. But her thought was like, why would I quit? Like, I'm out here doing something, I'm going to finish it. And to me, that was really inspiring. It's a really cool takeaway to one, see how tough she is, but then two, like, have a problem and just deal with it in the moment. And it was really cool to see.
0: Yeah, that's like exactly the through hiking or FKT mindset. When I had my foot blister and then crack open on the Arizona trail, I just super glued it back together and finished it out. It's like you have whatever tools in your backpack and that's what you have to fix what you got, whether it's like duct tape your foot up or change shoes or try different socks or go without socks or whatever it may be, as long as you have like another solution to try, then there's another reason to keep going. Even a hundred miler up here in Montana I my stomach was a huge mess but I kept convincing myself that the next flavor of like a gummy bear or something would be the one that my body could get down so just even being a little bit positive about this trying one new thing was sort of that reason to keep going and keep trying rather than just being hopeless hopeless immediately so yeah I think that's really the the key to anything longer than a few hours is just to have a number of tools to fix things. And then just convince yourself that each one is going to be the thing that solves it. And before you realize if it solved it or not, you've gone a few more miles. So you're a few more miles closer.
1: <laughs> that's right. Like, hey, what about like, let's just say like you're just in a really negative spot. I think <laughs> that's bound to happen with any sort of ultra. Like I've experienced it. I'm sure you have. just had some really dark moments that are out there and kind of miserable like, do you have any like mental tricks that you do to get through things or do you just like tell yourself to
0: suck it up and, and carry on? Man, I, yeah, I don't, I think I never have low points. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, a (laughs) lot, (laughs) I don't know, just thinking about something totally different than what you're doing helps. Uh, you can, I mean, there's a few different ways. I always like doing the one or two minute reset where I like to set a timer for one minute or two minutes and you literally sit down or lay down and you're like I get two minutes to feel however lay down I could even fall asleep if I want to but then once that alarm goes off like we're starting over at zero and it's just this huge mental reset so you can do like artificial things like that to just completely reset things because then you're like I'm accepting that I feel terrible I'm also doing this about it and I'm going to feel awful for two minutes. And then once that timer goes off, we're getting up and we're getting back after it. And I've done that even, I want a 50 mile out here doing that. Like 40 miles in, I was so tired and dehydrated. It was like, oh, I hope no one catches me. And I'm just like looking over my shoulder. And then it was like, I'm just going to take one minute, sit on this rock, breathe normally, and then I'll finish out the last 10 miles. And it just completely turn myself around from looking over my shoulder and running to actually being back in the moment and doing it how I would want to do it when you do that or
1: this is kind of like I don't know it could be not every single time you you do this but like you're just taking a moment to sit down and like think about how grateful you are to even be able to do these sort of things because I think that's something that we like we sign up for these events like I'm gonna go crush this or I'm going to go finish this. Then it gets hard and it's like, oh man, this sucks. I don't want to finish. Then we, I think sometimes we take a step back and be like, I'm so grateful that I can even be out here doing this. Like it's such a blessing that like we can be out here doing these really hard things out in nature in a beautiful area. I think I don't personally, I like to do that sometimes. I'm like, oh man, this run is awful. But then I think, yeah, this place is beautiful.
0: Yeah. I love doing like a mental snapshot or something too. Like you feel awful and it's like, all right, take a second, look around at how cool this is. So your mind is outside of your body looking at something else. And then you have like a little mental reset that way too. It's just anything of changing the mindset, I think. So it can be something around you, giving yourself a mental break, even having like, Food that you really enjoy eating, I think, is a huge thing too. You just want, yeah, back to all the tools. You just want a few different things that you can try, and maybe one doesn't sound good or work one time. But if you've got a few little options, it can really make the day a lot better. And ultra running in general, it can go from really bad to really great really quick, and there's no reason or explanation why. So you just have to accept that that can happen and stay in it until it does turn around because. At some point, it can't keep getting worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's always that saying, like, I don't remember what it is, but like, it can always get worse. It's like, it gets bad and it can always get worse, but it also always gets better. Like, it just it does. Yeah. That's how things play out. It's not just going to keep getting worse. Like, you're not going to die out there. Like, yeah, it's hard in the moment, but if you just keep moving, like, eventually you're going to get to camp and then you can reset for the next day.
0: Yeah, mile 99 is not the hardest of every 100 miler. Like, It might be mile 20 that's the hardest. It doesn't really make sense. So if you just know that it'll go in waves, I think that's kind of what I've held on to for all these things. Like even if it's a 252-day adventure, which is my longest one, it's like, yeah, three or four days in a row might really suck, but then it's going to be great again, and I won't really know why, but I just have to stick through those three, four, five days, and then it'll be great again. So it's sort of just hanging with things. And that's a huge thing with running. And in general, every distance of running is even a 5K. It'll start hurting at like mile one. So you just have to hold on for two more miles and you know it'll get better or you'll just finish.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's very important to look at the bigger picture and all these things because like, it is important to like break it down like we spoke about um, just a few minutes ago. But then also it's like, okay, you're out here. And it's like, well, I'm already three days in. Like, can't quit now. Like, I'm already halfway through or something. It's like, just got to keep going because it only gets better at that point. Because, like, then you get one step closer to your goal and you can actually finally see the finish line. And it's just crazy, like, what your brain and body can do when, like, subconsciously it knows that you're, like, so close to being done. And it, like, gives you – somehow you get more more energy and focus. You can just, like, crush the end of something. It's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, like, 100 – the last 100 yards going up a hill are – just painfully slow and atrocious. Then you get over it and you just fly down like five miles on the backside and it doesn't make sense. Just time kind of moves differently out there when you have no distractions too. So yeah, the real key is just like sticking with it and letting things ebb and flow how they do because that's what happens in every single thing that you do in life.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that like anything hard is like worth doing. Like if you're going to like, there's no real reason to go through life and just take the easy way. It's like doing something hard is valuable. And I think as humans we strive to do hard things and even if it's if it's a race or just like something at home in your family life or something, it's like we almost like kind of crave these hard things. Like we like want challenges. And then then also this on the other hand, like if you quit a hard challenge, like you get home and you're just like, Oh man, like why did I quit? Like I could have finished that. I could have done that
0: yeah, I don't want to do grand to grand because it's like easy. I think we're like, that's the step of signing up for something like that is you already know it's going to be hard. So when you're out there and it is hard, you already knew that would happen. So now it's time to just suck it up and enjoy that. It's hard because some part of you wanted to do that hard thing. So I think it's kind of, I don't know, I hate the term like the why or whatever, but just going into something like that, knowing that, you know it would be like that and wanted to sign up anyways. So you better be able to hang your hat on that because then you shouldn't let yourself quit just because it's hard. Oh, definitely. And like and like the, I don't know what you even call
1: it, but just like the reward of finishing is knowing that you've done something so hard and difficult is way better than like, oh, I just went out for a walk. Like, yeah, walking's great. Like it's, don't get me wrong, like I love going for walks. Like doing something extremely difficult where you push yourself to the limit and attain this goal is like, it's one of the most amazing things. You just feel so good about yourself. And I think it, it spirals upward to like all these other things in life where you can do all these other hard things. It gives you the confidence to do hard things and know that you're not just like like the average or able to do the minimum. You can do things way above that.
0: Yeah, it pushes your ceiling a little bit higher each time just knowing that you can do something a little bit harder because you did something that hard. So they're all stepping stones to whatever you want to do in life. But ultra runnings in every form is kind of that Best way to get those little steps up while having a full-time job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, just a few minutes ago, you mentioned something briefly about food. Um, just real quick as we're getting towards the end of the show, um, have you thought about like your food? Are you going to do the same thing you did for a through hike or are you going to swap things up a little bit differently?
0: Well, I probably won't bring 24 frozen burritos on this and let them slowly thaw throughout the week. <laughs> that was more what I did in I my 20s. <laughs> yeah l Monterey or whatever they sponsor me, maybe um uh the yeah, I don't know, uh probably just a lot of snacks, nuts type stuff, I don't know, easy to eat is the best because if you're carrying dead dead weight food that you can't eat, then what's the point? so I've tried peanut butter before, but it just starts with me and ends with me because I don't get into it, so I think the key is just experimenting <laughs> with a few things. I'm not sure I need to, I've done a lot of liquid calories and gels in the desert, but I'm going to need something a little more substantial for a multi-day effort.
1: Yeah. It's interesting because I think it's a, it's a mixture of like things that will give you like quick energy for the day for the running part. But then also you need real food too, because like you can't have like 3000 calories of just like sugar because you're going to be starving at night. But on the same hand, yeah. you, or the other hand, you can't just have like straight protein all day because then it's not like proper fuel source.
0: <laughs> yeah. I might bring like protein powder or something. Have one of those each night or in the morning or something. I don't know. I'll have to think about this, but I've done wrap type things, but I just, I'll have to figure out what I'll keep for that long. Like tortilla wraps of yeah. various stuff. Oh uh, yeah.
1: I guess that could work. I guess those are pretty lightweight, right? Like a tortilla. I never really thought about yeah, that.
0: Yeah. It's before. good calories per ounce. Fairly good. So, I could just drink olive oil, maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna challenge this or challenge you publicly to do that. Fuel entire grand to grand on olive oil next year. Wow.
0: Just like a gallon jug of olive oil. And each day on the side of the jug, I have marked like day one. That's how much I have to drink, and day two. (laughs) And so it's rationed perfectly. That's my whole calorie system.
1: I I think you should do it. Like, it'd be amazing. Like, I'm sure your digestive tract won't uh, disagree with you at all.
0: I gotta train my gut right now and bring a lot of Pepto Bismol. But I could pull this off. <laughs> You'll full on uh, plant based keto before Grand to Grand next year. Wow, that I guess that is plant based keto. I've never even thought about it like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably be lacking uh, quite a bit of nutrients, but um, it might be fun. Might Maybe be. if I salt the olive ice. oil,
0: it would be good enough. Just salted olive oil. Throw some electrolyte just tabs make some in there.
1: Sal- some salted olive oil gels. That could be your new thing.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's the same consistency as normal gels, so can't be that bad. <laughs> More calories per ounce, too, I bet.
1: Yeah, what is, like, I think a tablespoon of olive oil has, like, 100-something calories in it. So what does that weigh, like, 12 grams? I, I don't know off the top of my head but it's it one of the highest dense. calories
0: per ounce food so it would work calorically i just don't know about all the other aspects <laughs> i'm gonna look at a reddit forum on this there's got to be something on reddit about this
1: <clears throat> oh my gosh yeah i if you end up doing it let me know i'll, I'll do it with you yeah
0: oh wow you're committing now <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm committing publicly to an all-olive-oil diet for a week.
0: <laughs> so you challenged me to do this publicly, and you've already committed publicly to the same thing. This is great.
1: <laughs> the difference is, though, I'm out there <laughs> filming for a week and not running for a week. So major difference there.
0: It might be harder just to be sitting around drinking olive oil, but we'll see. <laughs> There's only one way to find out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes, we'll see. I'm not publicly confirming this challenge or not. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: on that note, I think we should wrap it up here. It's getting
0: late, and uh, we've got stuff to do, yeah, definitely. I mean, I am intrigued, I think that's the major thing to figure out is combining through hiker nutrition with trail running nutrition with FKT nutrition. So, a lot of work to do. Luckily, I have all summer in Montana to experiment with that. But I don't know. It's yeah. I don't think I want to take like 10 pounds of gels. So I'll come up with a solution here. Yeah. I'm sure you'll
1: figure something out. So like you definitely know what you're doing when it comes to spending a lot of time outside and eating like calorically dense food over long periods of time. So I, I'm sure you yeah. won't have many issues with that.
0: And if I don't, I'm really good at puke and rallying. So that's good.
1: <laughs> that's what we like to hear. That'll be good for the, the video for next year. to get people
0: really excited about the race. Yeah. It could lead to this. Yep.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Um, just as we wrap up here, what's a good place for people to find you? Like, I, I know you're on Instagram, but are you also on Strava and, and Twitter and stuff?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think just look up Jeff Garmeyer on everything and uh, you could buy my book we alluded to some of the adventures that are in that book. So it's really good. It's called free outside. So there you go.
1: No, I think honestly, like, not just to like, like plug in, promote your book here, but like, I think people will find it really fascinating just like long distance stuff and learning about that. And it would be really interesting for people that are curious about through hiking, but then also running, because there's so much to learn from both communities. Like it's not like just through hiking or just ultra running like there's a lot of crossover and I think people if they take a step back and look at it like will realize that both are very enjoyable and they'd enjoy both of
0: them yeah like 10 hours out in the woods with nothing is actually not boring that's the biggest takeaway you'll learn from the book <laughs> <laughs> that is great 10 hours a just... day over oh. yeah 10 hours a day over 252 days and not bored once
1: yeah. And honestly, like another thing about Grand to Grand is like, it's a digital detox. Like you're not out there like tracking it with a watch. You don't have your phone like on Instagram and Facebook all day. You're actually out there communicating with people like in real life. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a cool thing because I mentioned this before in some of the other podcasts with people for the, for Grand to Grand, but like, like I've, I've met people out there and years later, I'll see them randomly on a run or at a race or something. And, and it's so cool because you spend all this time with people and you're actually having a real, conversation and you actually have a real like like friendship with this person or you create a real friendship and it's not like you're out there just like talking to somebody while scrolling instagram or like answering (laughs) emails or something like you actually get to know somebody and you're not distracted and you're in this beautiful location with great people doing something hard and like you just like form these really strong friendships so like i know it's different than through hiking solo but i think there's a lot of parallels there
0: Yeah, that trail running, uh, even like last person standing stuff, you build a relationship over many hours of running together. And that's when you you can become friends with someone in like one day because you go through the most basic things in life together. Everything from going to the bathroom to eating to sleeping. You just get to know each other in this sped up way rather than learning about someone just by going on a few dates. It is kind of the coolest intimate experience of just – you're out there doing this hard thing together and you've let down all your barriers and you just become friends with people over this one thing in common. Some of my best friends are so different from me, but we just met while through hiking and that's all it took one common thing. And we're great friends, even though we have nothing else in common.
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. We'll we'll wrap it up here then. And um, let you get on with your evening.
0: Yeah. Thanks.